Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. I want to read from Galatians chapter 5. We'll begin today in verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Have you ever been bitten? <laughs> and I don't mean that really like physically, although you maybe have, but metaphorically as well. Have you ever been bitten, attacked, devoured by somebody else? Unfortunately, I think I've, I've never received as negative and hateful criticism in my life as sometimes I have from other Christians, right, who though they are followers of Jesus, can be so hurtful to brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, as a pastor, sometimes you expect some of that. Sometimes it means you're doing a good job. As the poet and prophet Bob Dylan once said, you're nobody if you don't get booed sometimes. I take that to heart. But I do wonder... Why is it that Christians so often tear at each other? It's the issue that's happening here in the Galatian church. We've been looking through this letter to the churches in Galatia. Paul's been writing to this church that he helped plant and start and develop. And then things have gone kind of haywire, off the rails a little bit. Some Christians came in from another area. Christians with a Jewish background and came to the church in Galatia and said, actually, Paul isn't really right. In fact, if you really, truly want to be Christians, you have got to take on all of the cultural markers of the Jewish faith as well. You've got to act this way and not that way. And oh, by the way, don't hang out with anybody who's different or who doesn't do all of these things. And this has caused Paul, some frustration, to say the least. No, it's never been about what you do. In fact, Paul has been writing, we've discovered in this series that we are all one family. That through Christ, we are one beautiful, diverse, united family. These opposing Christians have come in and used harsh language. In fact, we know that they likely are concerned because, because of their Jewish background. They had a special exemption from Roman law that said you had to worship Caesar, but people with a Jewish background had this exemption that said, no, actually, you can just pray for Caesar. And so for these Christians with the Jewish background, they were able to slide in under that exemption as well. They were doing all the cultural things that... Uh, the Jews of that time were doing, and now there are these other Christians without a Jewish background. And if they draw attention to themselves, 
Perhaps that will lead to a problem for them with the empire. Perhaps that might get them into trouble. Perhaps that might make things more difficult for everyone. Perhaps that would mean there would be less power and influence and success for this other group of Christians. So they've come to try to get the Galatians to behave differently. And by the language that we see here from Paul, we can assume that this idea of biting and devouring was reality. What has happened in this community of faith is criticism and perhaps even violence towards one another. They've become self-absorbed and caught up in trying to earn their way to God and prove that they're the holiest. And that has led them to division and destruction as they've become more and more self-absorbed. See, when we're more self-absorbed, we're more likely to hurt other people. We're only focusing on ourselves and unable to see how we might be causing damage. I have twin, almost two-year-olds. My son is uh, much larger than his twin sister, and they're both kind of figuring out how their bodies work. Uh, they're very into hugging right now. But my son, he loves to hug his sister, but sometimes, being a head taller than his sister, he just kind of leans over on her and just takes her out, just wipes her out. He is unaware <laughs> of how his own body and actions impact other people. And of course, he's barely almost two. But we can do the same thing become so self-absorbed in our own success of who we are, of trying to prove ourselves to make sure that we're right, we end up hurting others, missing what God is doing around us. Churches can do this too. Become so inward focused. We end up hurting others, devouring others, tearing each other apart. Paul says, you're called to freedom called to freedom and the whole law. Everything is summed up. He quotes Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself, the greatest commands. Love God, love neighbor. Why do Christians hurt one another? Why do we hurt one another? Paul is to say to these believers in verse 14, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, in the verse before says, and because of your freedom, because you've been set free, because you are not trapped into having to earn God's favor, you're in fact free to become slaves to one another in love. This is our call. And obviously that language is charged to be a slave to one another. Who would sign up for that? It's a charged word, and it should be for us in a nation so scarred from such a terrible sin as slavery that is enmeshed in our history. But what Paul is talking about here is this idea that because of our freedom in Christ, because we trust the God who controls all things, we could voluntarily serve one another, put others ahead of ourselves, rather than worrying about our own success and our own status. We could care 
for one another. It doesn't mean we don't have boundaries or good self-care, but it does mean it's not all about us. You are valuable. Because of Christ, we are heirs with Christ. Paul has taught us in this book, you have more value than you can believe, but we also are part of a community together, invited to serve one another. Paul is pointing out that when we become self-absorbed and so concerned about just ourselves and how we can succeed, we end up missing out on how we are called to love. So how should we live? If we are not to live in a way that's all about self-preservation, how will we live? This takes us to verse 16. Paul says, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, how then shall we live? And Paul spends a lot of time saying how not to live. (laughs) But first, Paul says, live by the Spirit. That word for live there is a word for walk, to move, to be on a path towards, to be in the direction of the Spirit. What does it mean to be on the direction of the Spirit? Well, first, Paul's going to tell us what it's not. And Paul says, okay, so to be on the way of the Spirit is not to be on the path, the way of the flesh. The flesh is concerned with self-preservation, self-promotion. That's what's been going on here at this church. It's got them into this mess. Okay, what do we mean by flesh, though? I think sometimes in our churches and the way that we think about um, Scripture, we sometimes think flesh just means physical body, right? I want you to know that flesh, when Paul talks about flesh, Paul does not just mean your body. Paul would not have thought this way. Our bodies are created by God. They're good. Jesus, resurrected, has a body. The future we hope for is a new heaven and a new earth that's physical. Your body is not evil. It's not bad or shameful. Sometimes we just need to hear that. Maybe you need to hear that today. So what Paul is talking about when he's talking about the flesh is talking about this problem that humanity, all creation has, death, decay, fear. The desire to to survive, even if it hurts others, right? We all have this. This desire to exploit, to make ourselves part of the in crowd and push others out. This is the flesh, the way of the flesh. And Paul says this leads to death. And it doesn't mean that we'll never slip up. As you know, you do. (laughs) I do. We will. But remember, he's talking about this way, this direction that we're moving. And he wants them to know that the path of fear and self-preservation, the path of exclusion, 
always leads us further away from the reality God has. I want to look at that list a little bit more closely. The first few things he mentions in verse 19, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, all of these words uh, are tied to some of the uh, idolatrous worship that was happening in the culture, ways that you might engage in worshiping Rome or other gods of the area. But then after that, there's this list of words. Uh, my translation is enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy. It's really hard to translate these words because they're all almost the same word. <laughs> Paul is drawing a lot of attention to this one kind of thing over and over again, this idea of disunity, infighting, destruction all within a community. Remember, this whole time he's been saying, you're a family, you're one family, you're the family of God, and now saying, oh, the way of the flesh makes you want to fight one another, push each other out. It's a lot of talk about the flesh, but if the way of the flesh is the way of decay and fear and idolatry and disunity and self-preservation, we discover that then the spirit must be the opposite a way of life and trust and worship and unity and self-sacrifice. For the whole law is summed up in this single command, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the way of the Spirit, the way of Jesus, and the way of love. Here at our church, one of our core values is Christ-centered living, and that's what Paul's talking about. Does the way that we walk in the world, the life of the Spirit, always point to Christ? Uh, I love baseball. I don't know about you, but baseball is my favorite sport, and I've played it forever. And I have a lot of fond memories of being in the backyard with my grandfather and my grandfather teaching me how to throw. He didn't like to teach me how to hit because he didn't want to go chase the ball, but we threw a lot. And I remember those early, early lessons. One of the biggest things you have to learn is when you're throwing a ball, it's really important that you point your foot where you want the ball to go. I'm pointing my foot at Dina. I'm not going to throw it. Don't worry. But you point your foot where you want the ball to go, and the ball will go where, you want your, where your foot is pointed. If you point your foot over here, you end up yanking the ball, right? You can even, if you watch baseball and you watch a pitcher kind of open up, the ball goes crazy. Point your foot where you want the ball to go. This is a good lesson. If you need some help throwing, you're welcome, right? You can try it later. Point your foot. That's where the ball is going to go. Paul is saying, if you want to live in this world and you want to live by the Spirit, you need to go the way of the Spirit. So whatever you do, point yourself in the way of Jesus. And when you point yourself in the way of Jesus, the other things come too. Point yourself. Look to Keep your eyes on other places. Paul will write about a race and focus your eyes on Jesus, right? Because if you're running and you look over here, what happens? Point, focus, look to. This is the way of the Spirit. Live, walk, be in the Spirit. And so he's going to continue to explain what that means. And so we're now talking about that best fruit of all. This is verse 22 and on. By contrast... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against such things. 
And those who belong to Christ have, been cru- have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. I was studying the scripture this week, and it was a challenging one to study this week because, um, as Jim mentioned this week, uh, my family and I are moving out of the house that we've been renting into some temporary housing as we wait to get into a more permanent house, right? It's been a year, so our lease is up. And so I spent all week with my very small children trying to pack and move. And then I read the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is also uh, the last Sunday of Pastor Zach's paternity leave. We're so excited. Pastor Zach will be with us again next week. It has been a beautiful time for his family. The fruit of the Spirit is patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness. I'm so ready for Pastor Zach to be back. But as I was studying these, these fruit, this uh, expression, something jumped out. If you'll notice back in verse 19, when he's talking about the flesh, Paul says the works of the flesh and then lists this list of vices. But in 22, it says the fruit of the Spirit. And if you'll notice in 19, works is plural. There's all these works you can do. But in 22, fruit is singular. You would think, Right? Good English writing would say, well, if that's going to be plural, fruit should be plural. It should say the fruits of the Spirit. What are you doing, Paul? No, it's intentional. It's singular. You get the whole fruit salad. It's not fruit. All of these things are part of what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. When we point towards Jesus, these are the fruit that come. All of them. And another interesting thing when reading this, understanding it's written to a church full of people who are biting one another, almost everything in here requires somebody else to be involved. (laughs) To love, to have patience, to be kind, to be generous, to be faithful, to be gentle, to show self-control. These are not solo sports. And so Paul is saying the Spirit, when we walk in this way, we bear fruit and we bear all of these fruits. We said earlier, flesh isn't body. I also want to point out that fruit isn't gifts. Okay? In other places in the Bible, there are mentions of gifts of the Spirit, special strengths and passions that each of us have. They're unique and We use them in different ways. You may have a gift of preaching or a gift of music or a gift of hospitality. These are these gifts that we can use. You may say, don't let me be up here with music. That would hurt everybody. Okay, we're gifted in different ways. But that is not what Paul is talking about here as Paul talks about fruit. Here's a good way to remember that fruit is not gifts. Uh, You know on Halloween... People go trick-or-treating. You ever go to the house that gives out fruit? Not a gift, right? The kids are like, where's my Snickers, right? What fruit is not a gift. And what that means is all of these things come out of the Christian life. So you can't say, well, I'm so kind. I don't have to be generous, right? 
You can't say, I'm so joyful. I don't have to worry about self-control. <laughs> uh, my generation loves personality typing. If you've done any personality typing, I'm a Myers-Briggs INFJ. I'm an Enneagram 5 wing 4. I'm an introvert. Um, but sometimes, speaking of my generation, we can, we can use these typings as excuses to be like, well, I'm an introvert, so that's why I'm so rude to you all the time. No! All of these fruit are present in the life of Christians in different ways, in different seasons, but they all come from the root of love. They all come as we love our neighbors. We're talking about our character. I'm grateful that Paul uses the metaphor of fruit because, well, fruit takes time to develop. And it has for me as well. <laughs> for me, it's been about learning how not to be reactionary. When someone says something mean, especially another Christian, right? Because that's often where it comes from to not react. To realize I don't control other people's actions, I can only control how I respond. It plays out in all my relationships. It plays out in my relationship with my spouse. I want to react, right? How dare she? And when I feel slighted or overlooked, when I'm learning to slow down, to pray, to love, and then to notice that I'm often just reacting to lies I believe about myself, lies that come from the enemy, fear, decay, insecurity, Desire for power or control. I'm getting there. Fruit takes a long time to grow. Fruit operates in seasons. There may be times when the joy seems pretty sparse. Keep pointing to Jesus. Keep pointing to Jesus, looking to Jesus, and, and joy will come. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes a choice of seeking after Christ always. Eugene Peterson describes discipleship in my favorite way that anybody's ever done it when he says it is long obedience in the same direction. It's not very exciting, but it's true. This is about character. And Paul says... Why do we hurt one another? Why are Christians fighting one another? Because we forgot to point to Jesus, to make Christ the center, to pay attention to how that is manifesting in our lives, to develop our character. We live in a world, a culture that values gifts over character, values talent over character. A pastor I admire tells a story about having to give a book report on a book he didn't read. <laughs> Been there? And so he did, right in class, gave the book report and did fine. The professor took him aside afterwards and said, you didn't read that book. He said, no, sir. <laughs> he said, I'm concerned for you, not about your book report, although read the book. He says, my fear is that you will rely on your giftings instead of developing your character because you did a really good book report without reading the book. The Galatians here have this temptation 
to rely on what's already been built, rely on their power, rely on what other people are saying, and neglecting their own development, their own character. So do we. Jesus says it like this in John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me as I abide in you. That word abide means remain, dwell, stay. Just as a branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul says, this is what happens when you walk in the way of the Spirit. How's the fruit in your life? May we ask for God to provide it. May we abide in Christ. Focus on, remain, dwell, look to, and then the fruit will come. Paul will say to the Galatians, do these things, live in this way, follow Jesus, and this will happen, and no law is against these things. The Romans aren't going to come after you for being loving. No law will stop you from being kind or gentle. May you be known by how you love. Scripture tells us that too, right, as Christians? The song that Anne will play as our post says, we're known by our Christians by our... You know the song? You'll know we are Christians by the stickers on our car. No. You'll know we are Christians by the way that we fight each other on the internet. No. You'll know we are Christians by our love. We hurt our, each other because we align ourselves, point to the flesh, the fear of self-preservation, instead abide in Christ. Point to Christ. And watch the fruit show up in your life. As we finish today, I want to take us in a time of prayer. And we're just going to spend some time in silence. And then I'm going to read this passage again. And I just ask that you ask God what God might be saying to you about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Will you join me in prayer? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things. Lord, will you reveal to us how you are calling us to point our lives to you in all that we do, and may you bring the fruit of your Spirit in our lives. Lord, may you produce in each of us the fruit of your Spirit. Love. Joy. 
peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you, Lord, for welcoming us into your family. Thank you, Lord, for developing our character. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us to join in in your work in the world as a beautiful and diverse and empowered community, strengthened by your Spirit. May each of us abide, point to Remain, dwell in Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.